0: Hey. Hello, hello.
1: All right. As always. Ah, oh, so blessed, so grateful. So grateful and thankful to join together for the purpose of our healing and our remembering of the truth. So grateful to open ourselves to the unlimited flow of divine love, wisdom, clarity, beauty, truth, and goodness. So grateful and thankful to open ourselves to infinite intelligence. We're calling forth the higher Holy Spirit self, this divine connection. We're connecting with each other and gathering together in this virtual circle of love and light. So grateful to come together for the holy purpose of our healing, our expansion, and our clarity. What I know is that our time together is dedicated to our awakening, to our remembering our true nature is already perfect and that we are indeed already perfect, pristine. We're grateful to surrender any idea that we're not already there. We're grateful to surrender any idea that we have to earn our awakening or that we in any way deserve to be punished. We are grateful and thankful to partner up for this purpose of healing and to partner with each other in our expansion, we truly are grateful to share the benefits with all and to let it be, to let it unfold. We allow it, and so it is. Amen. 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 Yes, indeed. So, Thank you, thank you, thank you for showing up for yourself. And uh, our class today is where we're building our self-esteem. And uh, we're then from here, we're going to move into trust and faith and relationship. And uh, we're, um, we still have a good, oh, six weeks or, go or so till we get to the halfway point. And uh, one of the things that I'm sure you're all beginning to recognize is uh, something that I call learning through contrast. Mm-hmm. And this, this is really helpful to the growth of our self-esteem to recognize that in our human experience, we can, uh, we can learn through pain and suffering, or we can learn through joy. It's our choice. And uh, an example of learning through pain, uh, because I know you're so unfamiliar with how to learn through pain, but <laughs> just to be clear, an example of learning through pain is that, because um, uh, I, I uh, definitely am an expert at that, I, I can remember so actually not so well, but I can remember uh, that I used to, for many years, I would uh, argue with my loved ones, my family members, my boyfriends, uh, not so much with my friends, but definitely sometimes with friends. I would argue... And I would hear my higher Holy Spirit self say, and by hear, I mean, I would get a feeling. I would uh, get a thought, uh, a kind of a pull, a tug, a nudge of some kind. And that would say, don't say that. You know, I'd feel this impulse. My mind was racing, looking for the thing to say that would cause the most collateral damage, right? Just like what can I say that will be like a knife in their heart so they will realize, don't F with me. Don't screw with me. I will, I will not hesitate to kill you, um, m- metaphorically or emotionally. And um, I would be searching my mind for what can I say that will different levels so there's the level of um, offense defense offense uh, that is i'm going to um, caution you and then there's the level of i'm going to slap you and then there's i'm going to punch you and then there's i'm going to poke your eye out and now i'm going to kill you i'm going to stab you in the heart repeatedly until you die (laughs) and uh, I would, depending on how I felt in that moment about that person, about myself, about my vulnerability, I would proceed accordingly. And I would feel these warning um, messages from my higher self saying, don't do that. That can't be undone. Do not do that. Don't go there. You don't have to go there. There's no need to go there. And I remember very specifically, of course, being totally identified with the ego, being terrified. And uh, out of my terror, uh, um, waging um, uh, an offensive attack. Uh, And so I would... um, say to, basically to the higher self no I'm going to do what I want to do I need to do this I have the power to do this I'm going to do it and uh, on rare occasions I would back down I would listen to the higher self when it really mat- when the relationship really mattered to me I would back down and uh, or when I could feel that you're you're really on the edge of going too far and I did a lot of damage that way. I did a lot of damage and um, it. Um, I'm very grateful for that teaching in A Course in Miracles at the end of chapter 5 that says you can give all the consequences of your wrong decision to the Holy Spirit who will heal it in all directions of time and space. And um, those are my words. Um, but that's really what it says there. And so very, very grateful for that. And when I realized that, which I did realize it before, um, before I found A Course in Miracles, I realized it and I started to work with the higher self to undo all the consequences and uh, was amazed that it does work um, because we share the same mind. You see, so when I let go of feeling guilty and ashamed and bad and wrong and uh, all the self-judgment, then other people have to let go of their judgment because we share the same mind. They really do. Uh, And uh, a beautiful story uh, about that uh, is, one you might have heard me tell. I tell it every now and then. Uh, and it, um, I don't think I've told it this year. Sometimes I, I know I told it earlier this year and right now I'm thinking, oh. Uh, but, so somebody waved their hand wildly if I've told this story in, in class before. Um, I had, uh, when I was a teenager, Living, growing up in Rhode Island, um, I um, was a partier. Uh, I was a drinker, a smoker, pot smoker, drug doer, um, and recreational drugs. And um, as a teenager, and when I was, I don't know how old I was, maybe 13 or 14, maybe 15 years old, I met my best friend, uh, Karen, and um, at a party. And we became fast friends. And we became incredibly close, as you sometimes can be, with a a very, very close best friend. And um, just um, so, so close. And um, then when I went to college in Boston, um, she said, um, you know, I'm not not going to college. I know everybody's going to college. or going to college in Boston. But I'm not going to college. I've got a job in a bank. Uh, in Providence, Rhode Island, we were living in Rhode Island at the time. She said, I'm, I'm not going to Boston. Uh, I'm going to Rhode Island. I'm staying in Rhode Island. And so I, I, I really wanted her to come to Boston and live in an apartment with me off campus. But she said, no, I, I'm not going to college. Done. I've got a great job. I'm going to stay in Rhode Island. And so... I I convinced her to stay uh to come to, to Boston and live with me while I was in college and to find a new job and by saying to her come on i mean what the fuck Wh- why not and she was like oh those are the three words i can't resist right w t f and so um just, just, I'm just quoting history, you know, I'm not trying to be profane, but those were the three words that convinced her. And so she came to Boston. We lived all four years in the same apartment in Boston. We became even closer friends. And then when I graduated from college, I got a job in New York. I knew I was going to move to New York. I always knew I was going to move to New York after college, which I was planning to do. And she said, just know I am not going to New York. I'm not going. I'm staying here. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I, for months I said, I know, I get it. I understand, you know, and then of course, at the last minute, when I, I was definitely going and she was staying, you know, I, I basically got her drunk and said, WTF. And she was like, Oh, you did it to me again. You know? So then she moved to New York and, um, with me and, (laughs) and, um, in that first year that we were living there, she started to date this man, and she started to do coke, and she started to do more and more coke. And this man, um, I had this—I I, I really lucked out. I found this four-bedroom apartment. I got it through a friend, of a friend, of a friend. And um, I, uh, so I had—we had three roommates, and um, this. Man, she was dating, he, um, he, uh, he was living with us, if I remember, it was a long time ago, <laughs> and they um, started to um, bring other women home when she was at work, and um, it was crazy, and uh, I said to her, you know, I wrote her this letter. A long letter and I said you know I love you so much I love you more than anybody else on this planet and I would do anything for you but the one thing I won't do for you is watch you throw your life away on a man who so does not respect you and to watch you um, do all these drugs I just I can't I can't I do anything for you but I won't watch you throw your life away because you're such an amazing person. You are extraordinary, and I, I just it's not fair for you to ask me to, to watch you do that. I just can't. So I, I can't tell you how to run your life, how to live your life, or who to love or how, what to do. I respect you too much to tell you what, try to tell you what to do. and um, so since this is my apartment, my name is the one on the lease. I'm gonna ask you to either change your your ways or to leave. And so she left, and um, we did not speak to each other anymore at all. There was no communication. And one, two, three, four years went by. And then um, I got a call from a man who said, Uh, My name is David, and I'm in love with Karen, and I'm going to marry her, and um, her birthday is coming up, and uh, I know that the best, very best gift I could give her in this world is to have you come back into her life, because she talks about you constantly, she misses you so much, and... um, I, I love her, I, w- I would give her whatever I could to make her happy, and that's the thing that will make her the happiest, if you would come back into her life. And I, I said, you know, well, she said, I'm throwing her this surprise party, would you come to the surprise party in Boston? And I said, you know, I appreciate the invite, but I don't feel like that's the way for us to see each other after four years of not talking to each other at a surprise party. So I, um, cause it definitely would have ruined the surprise party and, you know, like we would have had to leave the surprise party immediately just to talk. So I said, um, but, but, um, don't worry. We'll, we'll, we'll start talking again. So then, I don't, I don't remember now exactly how long it was, but some period after that, I decided to write her a letter, which I did. And she wrote me a letter on the same day that I wrote her a letter. And we got our letters on the same day. And they crossed in the mail. And what I absolutely know from having reunited with her was that what happened was David told her what he did and how I received it. And um, so that made her take out my letter from four years before. And what she told me was, when I read it this time, for the first time I read what you actually said, which was, I love you so much. And I can't watch you hurt yourself. She said, when I read it the first time, all I read was, get out. Get out. And she said, when I read it again after four years, I realized that's not at all what you were saying. Um, and what I know was that she forgave herself. I, I, there was nothing for me to forgive because I, I was not – angry. I missed my friend, but I, I just, I wasn't angry. I I was hurt because I I didn't want to live, years without my friend and maybe never see her or talk to her again. But I I had no anger, no animosity, and I didn't feel any guilt. I didn't do anything that I was ashamed of or felt was wrong. And so it was really for her to forgive herself. And as soon as she did, then she could realize that I was never angry at her. And all of that, the the whole upset in all four years, in a second, it was just over. It was just done. You know, there's, we, we could talk about it, we could laugh about it. And then that was over. We didn't need to ever talk about it again, because there was no residual hurt, no residual resentment, nothing. And it really was because she forgave herself for misunderstanding, for being in a haze of emotion and fear and all of that. And what I know is, because I, I have other examples I could share with you, is that when we change our mind, and it really goes to self-esteem, about loving ourselves enough to stop judging ourselves. Truly, the, the cruelest thing that we do is to judge ourselves all day long. This is the single Most destructive thing is when we're hypercritical with ourselves day in and day out. I'm doing the Living a Course in Miracles classes. We just started the first one today. Anybody listening to those by any chance? Yeah, a bunch of you. And uh, talking about the crucifixion and how we crucify ourselves. And many people do just that. They crucify themselves all day long with criticism. And we've talked about this, it is so debilitating, and we lose track of how debilitating it is. But if you've ever known a child who had a hypercritical parent, you can see how crippling it can become for them. And um, it's, uh, it's something that people internalize. And A lot of times people will say that, well, it's because of what happened with my parents that I am the way that I am, but I really have come to know, absolutely know, not just believe, but know, that we picked, especially all of us who are in this class, we picked the situation, the circumstances, the family that would provide us with the opportunity to heal the beliefs we have that are false. And that we, we many of us have placed ourselves in extreme situations with family in order to not look away, to not get lazy, to not avoid doing the healing work that we are choosing to do in this incarnation. And one of the big challenges for many of us is to make this turn, which I, I was part of what Masterful Living is all about, to make this turn in our mind from thinking that uh, the family that we chose was somehow... Did things to us that were harmful, that were not in any way beneficial. So I can honestly say, in my family, uh, my family that I grew up in was very judgmental, very judgmental, and very loving too. So it was always, we love you, you can do anything, we'll support you. And then it was also pick, 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 pick. So I got the, the, this message. With, this is what love is. Love is always saying, not that way, this way. Love is always saying, be careful, you're going to get hurt. The love is always saying, why did you do it that, like that? Um, you should never have done that. Critical, judgmental, but also, you're the best, you can do anything. So that constant mixed message, <coughs> which, um, you know, brings its own brand of crazy in a sense. However, I came to a point because of my prayer work, which is why I teach prayer, because of my prayer work, I am constantly praying, constantly praying uh, for years, years to have a healing I finally realized these are the p- perfect people for me because I would like to make a a real contribution to the healing of the collective mind and my for, my decision to recognize that my ancestry, my parents, my grandparents, etc., and all those who went before me, and all their stuff that I inherited, that I am choosing to inherit it because I'm going to, I'm going to turn it around and bless all my ancestors with the healing that I am choosing for myself And so I I started to really, really focus on the healing of my mind and consciously intending to spiral out, you could say, to my family and including my ancestors who had passed on and to the point where I could be profoundly grateful for everything that I inherited because I realized this is my life's work to heal these things in my own heart and mind, and then to share with other people how I did it, and how I didn't give up, how I stuck with it, and how how I found the pathway. Because while I had all these wonderful science of mind teachings, I um, I I was still feeling lost and confused, and still feeling like this this works for other people, but it doesn't work for me. But because of my prayer work and my willingness, I started to get my own insights. And because of my willingness to clear my mind of all unloving thoughts, I began to get more insight and more insight and more insight. And now, of course, this is exactly what I'm sharing with you in Masterful Living. So, it, it, when we clear away the criticism and the judgments, when we're no longer interested in judging and criticizing, then our self-esteem is perfect. Because it always has been. Because we are the perfect love of God. We are no other thing. Every other thing is a fabrication. Every other thing is an illusion. We are the perfect love of God. That will never change, no matter what we've ever thought or said or done. And so I think, you see, now I can see with clarity, absolute clarity, and know, that all the times that I was so vicious and so cruel and hurt, really hurt and wounded the people I loved and pushed them away, all of that serves me now. Because if I hadn't had that tremendous pain and wanted to kill myself, and felt hopeless and helpless and desperate and depraved, if I hadn't had all of that, that really intense feeling of hideousness and like a monster is how I used to feel, uh, I, I don't think I'd be so relatable, you know? Because I talk to a lot of spiritual people intimately, closely, one-on-one, and I have for 17 years as a spiritual counselor. and Before that, just as a person taking classes with other people. So I have come to see that the, the, um, while other people might not ever have been as mean and nasty as I actually was, uh, many people have been that way in their mind. They might not have said it. I said it. I did the things I did. Um, but other people have thought it. And so, and there's not much more difference, really. There's not. Um, so, I can see now that all the choices that I made that I thought were so wrong and bad, so punishable, so offensive, they actually were helpful to me because without them, I wouldn't be as clear a teacher as I am now. And I'm very, very grateful for the clarity I have now. It's very meaningful to me. And I receive messages from people every day that tell me how grateful they are that I share from my experience. And so I don't have any guilt or shame anymore about the things that I've said and done in the past. I have forgiven myself. And that is the thing that allows me to have the quality of teaching that speaks to many people. It's really not because I am special. It's because of my, my feeling so depraved and desperate, I became willing to do anything, including forgive myself. I was so tired of feeling lost and confused. I was just worn out from it that I became willing to really practice. And so my intention and my aspiration this year is to share with you in such a way that your higher Holy Spirit self will filter what I'm sharing through your spiritual ears so that you will hear some message in here that says, I can do this. I can really do this for reals. And um, every year since I've been teaching this class, since 2009, um, people have done that. And they have dramatically changed their life, their marriages, their relationships with their family, their children, their body, all kinds of healing. And doing it together is makes it easier makes it easier and one of the great gifts of our community is because we're all practicing non-judgment then we we become a safe space for each other to share to so we can release the shame through the sharing we can release the sense of feeling lost and confused through the sharing and so for your participation at whatever level you're participating i thank you because the energy that you put in you will get back far more than you put in and i invite you to just begin to really see could i put in a little bit more and by that i really mean could you just one more time per day stop and say i'm going to just appreciate myself here Oh, I'm not going to say that judgment. Oh, I'm going to give that thought to the Holy Spirit for healing. Just one more time per day. And if you increase that one more time per day on a regular basis, it's amazing the difference that it makes. So I'd like to pause here and see who has a question, who has a share, and does anybody have a testimonial? Anybody have uh, a a breakthrough that they would like to share, an aha or an insight that's been meaningful to you that you've had recently? Anybody like to share in any way? Hugh. Gotcha.
0: Hello. Um... It was nice to listen to your class today. Um, that that was uh, very interesting. You talked about being cruci- the crucifixion and being a victim, and it was it was fabulous divine order the way it played out in my uh, in my day before. Shortly before your class, I was trying to get a bill adjusted from CenturyLink who's been terrible to deal with and just takes forever to deal with. And so I waited 10 minutes, and I got transferred to another guy who got to start all over fresh. I said, I've got a class in five minutes. I can't do this. And I, so I listened to your stuff and processed it through. And then I, in the afternoon, I got to call them back to try to complete this mission to get them to do their bill right. And I was getting furious. I was getting madder and madder. And I could feel my blood pressure rising. And I kept telling the the people I had to deal with, I only had to deal with two this afternoon, that listen, it's not personal, but your company drives me crazy. And so I I thought about that later. And, And I was more upset about that than I am what's going on in Washington DC, which is a quantum leap from where I started in this class. (laughs) <laughs> and uh I I saw I'm a, I'm a victim. I'm making myself a victim here by being flappable by this business arrangement and this breach of contract and so I had to forgive myself and just step back from that and and say thank you for for that after having had a career of representing victims and, and then feeling like a victim today over something so little, but there's no degree of difficulties, right? So that, that, was, uh, that was very timely sandwich, sandwiched around your, your lecture today.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's a great aha. Great, wonderful healing re- realization, Hugh.
2: Thanks.
1: Yeah, thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. I'm going to mute you out anybody else all right we've got Jeannie hey Jeannie oh we canceled each other out oh, again
2: <laughs> kind of like your letter crossed in the mail <laughs> yeah. um uh oh Hugh I can so appreciate your story I, I have been on the phone with Sprint at times so I'm and, and the same thing, it's like, I'm listening to these spiritual talks, and it's all blown out of the water in a second. Um, what, I, what was an aha for me today listening to your talk was um, about being a martyr. And, a, and, a, and I never saw myself as a martyr. I related more like I'm the bully, and I beat people around me till they're dead. And so I feel guilty for that. You know, kind of like what you were describing earlier, and the bodies are all laying around. And so, um, but in that conversation, I realized, wait a minute, I am playing the martyr, uh, or I'm feeling like the martyr, and that's why I'm so angry. Um, and so, um, and I think I had just read earlier that day in in the in the course that anxiety is a cover up for. Um, uh, was it anger? Yeah. Yeah. Anxiety is a mask for, for anger. And, um, but, but I'd always seen my mom as a martyr. Right. And she did so much, for, you know, where was a family of seven, she just worked her butt off. She was a school teacher. She raised five kids. She did all the laundry, the dishes. I mean, and her house was like kind of, I called it Darwinian. It was just like whoever's strongest and fastest wins. And so um, I I was like, I'm I'm not getting married for a long time, baby, because I want my freedom. And I don't want to have to do all this work. And I didn't see any other option. I'm like, you just become a slave. And I'm like, no, I'm not up for that. <laughs> and and then I'm like, OMG, that's what I'm doing right now being married in my family. And it's not required. No, but so that was a big aha. And I'm Willing to let that go, I really am.
1: Yeah, that is fantastic, Jeannie. So I'm. Um, I'm curious. Can you tell us a little bit more about? Um, can you just tell us one thing that you do that you realize makes you a martyr?
2: Oh, just like today. I mean, really, it's little. It's, stupid small things, like what he was saying, small things like um uh, my daughter over the weekend was supposed to clean her bathroom and bedroom, and you know and that's she's a teenager and it's and it could look like a disaster zone I mean it could be a hazmat I mean you don't even know what is in there, so um I'm afraid for the dog going in there i he comes out and he's got baggies and and food and all kinds of stuff, so I'm like, for the, for the dog's sake, can you just keep it together a little bit? Anyway, so I'm, I'm trying to let go, let my husband take it over a little bit more so I'm not as involved, not as attached. And, um, you know, today was Monday and I roll into that bathroom and uh, it there's towels all over. And, and I'm like, like our entire linen closet's on the floor and piles and lumps. And I'm like... What is going on? So I, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be the better person. I'm not going to yell at her. I'm just going to take those towels and throw them in the wash. But I'm keeping track. And that's where I'm staying the martyr. Like, And I'm not getting to do my work because I'm doing this work. And I, and that's a theme. It, all the little things over and over.
1: Mm-hmm. So do you have a sense, Jeannie, of what you would do differently? it's one thing to recognize it, and then it's another thing to make a different choice.
2: Um, I think just taking a few breaths and, and saying a prayer before I just jump in to, to kind of get it out of, you know, react, essentially.
1: Yeah. Do you share the bathroom with her?
2: Not, not all the time, but it's connected to the office. So when I'm in the office, I'll go in there.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I do have to say that uh, boundaries um, is not a word that I really like because of the whole Course in Miracles teaching on separation. So the idea that we have boundaries it feels like separation to me. However, <clears throat> I have learned that uh, living with other people is much, much more harmonious when people know these are our agreed upon um, standards. But the way to my experience is the way to having harmonious household is that they are agreed to. How How old is your daughter?
2: Fifteen. Yeah so um i have tried to in the past you know let's have a contract let's do that and um and and i and i think um and and i know i haven't um what do you call it been diligent about enforcing right because i know i'm going to get upset and and i'm like i don't want to get upset right? Uh, um, Because I, I don't have like a mild upset, it goes zero to 100. So where it's way out of proportion to what we're talking about.
1: Right. So and that's because of the meaning you make of it. Yeah. And so I would venture to say the meaning you make of it has to do with nobody loves you or respects you or something like that.
2: I don't matter. Yeah.
1: I don't matter. Yeah. That's a common one that people have. I don't matter. Anybody else have, I don't matter.
3: Mm.
1: A few people, quite a few people there have, I don't matter. So that upset is helping you to recognize you have that belief. Now check this out, my friends, when you change that belief, people will not be expressing themselves the same way around you. So I, I don't have that belief that I don't matter. And um, I find that, yeah, sometimes people are disrespectful to me, but not that often. Not that often. And when they are, it's so clear that they don't respect themselves—it's a huge cry for love. So, if Jeannie, you take responsibility, right? And this is what it says in the course. One second. And this is in your, in your. Um, workbook as well, your for Living workbook. This is one of the, the most um, difficult things for the ego to accept. The ego will commit suicide before it accepts it. So we have to just, we have to take the ego and take the ego's face in our hands and say, we're doing this. You do not get a <laughs> say in this. We are doing this. These are the rules of the house and um, enforce, enforce the rules. So it's uh, my page 448. It's uh, chapter 21, section 2, responsibility for sight. But again, this is in the a Course in Miracles section in the journal that you have, the Master of Living Journal. I just. Um, I think I've got a little bit more here I'm going to read you from the course than is in the journal and I thought I had my journal right here but I don't seem to have it right here I changed rooms my in the house here so anyway um, this is uh, it starts with and this really applies to your you and your daughter Jeannie We repeated how little is asked of you to learn this course It is the same small willingness you need to have your whole relationship transformed to joy, right? So think of whatever relationship you have that you would like to really change, okay? This little thing, this little tiny change of mind, it calls it, is all that... The, this, the same small willingness you need to have your whole relationship transformed to joy. The little gift you offer to the Holy Spirit, for which he gives you everything. The very little on which salvation rests. The tiny change of mind by which the crucifixion is changed to resurrection. Here it is. Uh, is. Is jumping down to paragraph two here, this is the only thing you need do for vision, happiness, release from pain and the complete escape from sin all to be given you. So now just think about the things that you have done in your lifetime to have vision, to be released from sin and guilt and shame. And regret the things that you have done to release yourself from pain, right? To try to have happiness, right? Just think of how hard you have worked in order to have all of these things. And here's the only thing you need to do in order to actually have all those things you say only this but mean it with no reservations, no reservations at all, for here the power of salvation lies. And here's what you say. I am responsible for what I see. I choose the feelings I experience, and I decide upon the goal I would achieve. And everything that seems to happen to me, I ask for and receive as I have lost. So... You know this applies to everything. It applies to even being molested, being fired, uh, having your spouse leave you for another person. It's everything. Just you take responsibility for what you see. If like Hugh, you were saying about your your um, feelings about what's happening in Washington take responsibility for it. And I I see you there, Laurel, just uh, uh, give me a moment here. So um, now we look at something we don't like, right? Some law being enacted or some restriction being removed or whatever it might be, you know, that, we, it seems to bother us. We have to take responsibility for everything we see, including the, the war in the Middle East, okay? And the price of oil and all these things. We take responsibility for it. But we do it with the practice of Lesson 25, which is I don't know what anything is for except it's to help me wake up. So nothing is bad right? As long as it's helpful for me to wake up. So I see you too, Hugh. Um, And then it says, deceive yourself no longer that you are helpless in the face of what is done to you. Acknowledge but that you have been mistaken and all of your mistakes will disappear, right? So, and it, it also coincides with, you know, the lessons of A Course in Miracles, the teachings of A Course in Miracles, they just repeat again and again and again again in slightly different wording. And so one of them is from paragraph 18, which is also in your Master of the Living journal, where it says, uh, paragraph 18 in Lesson 135, uh, where it says, um, what could you not accept if you but knew that all events and occurrences are gently planned by one whose only purpose is your good. And so, Jeannie, on some level, right, your daughter loves you so, so much that she's giving you a constant reminder that your belief system that you don't matter can be healed. And what upsets you is not that she leaves the towels on the floor. What upsets you is what you think about it, the meaning that you make of it. So I I, I think I've shared with you all, I know I've shared with other years of class that I've been coming to visit my, my brother's family here in this house for about 20 years. And um, since they moved in and um, when I used to come and visit after three days, I would start to feel so sad. And I thought maybe it's an energy in the house. There's, oh, maybe the family is sad. But now I really see that it was my judgment that was making me feel sad. And, um, and I, cause I just judged every single thing all day long and one of the things that would really bother me is that I would come into the kitchen and all the lights would be on and the cabinets would be open and things would be left all over the counter here's the ketchup and here's the mustard with the lid off and you know here's you know the package of cheese it's open on the counter and the people who ate that meal my brother my sister-in-law my nephew whoever it was they're long gone they just left it all that way. And I just thought, this is so wrong. This is so wrong. This is crazy. This is just insanity. And uh, just bad, 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 bad. And um, I, all that meaning that I made of it, I would upset myself. So now I come into the kitchen and... I close the cabinets and I close the drawers and I turn off the lights. I even turn off the lights when I walk in because I don't need all those lights. And then um, maybe I'll put the cheese away. Maybe I will put the ketchup away. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll clean the counters. Maybe I'll do the dishes. Maybe I won't. It's just according to how I feel, but it doesn't bother me. None of it bothers me anymore. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm so, so grateful for that, and that's the gift I gave myself, and part of how I gave it to myself was I forgave myself for whatever, whatever I was doing, you know, leaving the dishes in the sink or whatever, you know, my counters are clean but my dishes were in the sink. It's just whatever I forgave myself for, you know, life life is going on and, you know, we can all do the dishes later and it'll be fine. The house won't uh, explode. And so um, I find that sometimes I go in the bathroom here and there's wet towels all over the place and tears of one shoe and another shoe and socks and underwear and just several people have left their stuff all over the floor. And it's like, You know, I can walk away from it or pick it up just according to how I feel, but I don't have to make any interpretation or meaning about it. And it is different because it's not my house. I am not the mother. I'm not the matriarch. So it's definitely a different experience. However, what I know is now I have peace of mind, and what I also know is my family does not feel my silent judgment because it's not there. And where we used to bicker and argue, we, we rarely have a, a comment that um, is unkind. And that's worth washing thousands of towels. It really is. So Hugh, I know you were raising your hand. Laurel was first. So um, uh, 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 let's see here. Oops, I hit the wrong thing. I'm still getting
4: the hang of this. Where are you, Laurel? There you are. Go ahead, Laurel. I'm not on the same page as you, but am I, am I Am I? on speaker now? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, the first thing I wanted to do was share... I don't know if it's an aha. I'm, I'm going to ask you if it's an aha. <laughs> it felt like an aha, um, but it's going to segue into something else, which is the topic. But But the aha for me was how i been thinking in the last really I'm trying to think if if i thought if I actually thought like this um before this year but but the thought so many things have been kind of hitting me in a hard way this year, and um i mean i i always have i've always of myself as not a drama queen in any way but I feel like since I've been in this class it's like oh my god me me (laughs) it's like I'm in crisis I'm in crisis which is so unlike me but I figure I guess this is part of my healing that's all I can assume but anyway with the with the thinking that why are things so hard and why is life so hard my aha was well, it probably has something to do with how hard I have been on myself. There's a, a mirror, right? Is that true? Yes.
1: yes. Do you understand the, the, what, what I mean when I talk about the mirror?
4: I think so. OK. That I'm seeing it outside of myself, but it's really refle- it's a reflection of what's happening inside of me.
1: If it right. bothers you it's a it 's a reflection okay. uh, in the sense that it 's uh, letting you know that something you believe is out of alignment with truth, and when you see it out there in the world and either, maybe you 're judging it, maybe you have an aversion to it, um, things like that then it's it 's usually a reflection. Of something you believe that's coming up for healing.
4: Okay, well, the, well, that, that belief has been how hard life is. I mean, that seems like it's really been a theme for me this year. And, um, but when we, you, you know, were talking with Jeannie and you were talking about responsibility and taking 100% responsibility for everything that happens, I mean, that's been extremely useful. Um, for me to start looking through those lenses. Until today, when the vet veterinarian came over and found a mass in my little cat's abdomen, and I feel like I'm responsible for that. It's like I have all these health issues, and now the being that is the dearest to me in my entire life is possibly... Has a fatal illness. And now I cannot, I can't, I'm having a really hard time forgiving myself with this one. Because if she is doing this for something, for me, this is not okay. This is not okay with me. I can't bear it. So I don't know how to think about it in a way that I can bear it.
1: Yes, I, I understand. I understand. And I'm glad you're bringing it up. We are going to bring it up. One thing is, Laurel, that what's your kitty's name? Mira. Mira? M I R A? Yes. We, yes. Can all, we can all pray for you and Mira. Thank you. You're welcome and yes animals are so dear to us because their love is so completely unconditional and not only do they share unconditional love with us by expressing it towards us they receive it yes yeah. really the great gift is, to give us is their that's apology. the better gift even exactly <laughs> yeah. They allow us to love them completely. And uh, yeah. so I, I can understand how threatening this would be. One thing that's so valuable to us, Laurel, is for us to recognize that while we take 100% responsibility, we take no blame for anything. There is no blame. responsibility and blame are two different things. Blame has judgment in it and responsibility does not. And so as challenging as it can be to say, you're going to claim this for your good. And give all the heavy lifting to the Holy Spirit to show you how and to allow. Okay, yeah, and um, what you might do too is does your cat allow you to um, be affectionate with her or him uh it's a her um, on
4: her uh, uh, on her own terms when it's <laughs> when it's okay for her,
1: yeah well, when you put your hands on her um, when she allows it. um, You can uh, just ask the higher self and the angels to let your hands be healing hands and sending her healing energy. Okay. Yep. And, uh, And prayers for Mira uh, will bring benefit. And um, you don't have a prognosis yet, right? No. Yeah. So no matter what the prognosis is, if you don't like it, um, then just say it has no power. oh well. It's a hard
4: one for a nurse. (laughs) Okay.
1: Well, maybe that's... But why
4: not? Why not?
1: That's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, when they told my mother she had three months to live, I just knew that that wasn't true. That wasn't true at all. And to the point where I knew it wasn't true. And so my father, my brother, everybody was freaked out. And I was like, "But it's not true." But I, they didn't know that it wasn't true because intuition wasn't telling them it wasn't true. But mine was. And I, I said to my mother, "I said, Mom, I'm sure you don't have three months to live unless that's your wish. Um, I, I'm sure." you you can live for several years or longer if you wish. And she did end up living three more years. And I knew that that was really her limit. She just really, she was complete, you know, as much as she didn't wish to leave uh, our connections in this world. Um, she, she was complete. She was ready to go to the next thing. And, um, So we pray for the highest and best, Laurel. And we don't know what that is, but we pray for it. We pray to know it and to accept um, only the highest and best. And to not live in fear. Yeah. Yeah.
4: That would would be
1: wonderful. Right. So remember, every time you're in fear, you're thinking something that's not true. Every time. Okay. Yep. And so you can start to use affirmations like, "I will not delude myself anymore. I'm willing to live in the truth. Uh, I'm I'm not willing to delude myself anymore. I'm only willing to live by the truth. We fear to live by the truth because we think that if we uh, we say, Thy will not mine, that suddenly the house is going to fall down on us because we have been so bad and so wrong, we're going to be punished the minute we say, Thy will not mine. That now God's going to go make us live in um, a cave and wear uh, a potato sack, you know, or walk around Assisi without shoes in the wintertime. But that was Francis's choice. Nobody made him do that, you know. Seriously, you know, God didn't say to him, "Hey, Francis, you know, so why don't you stop wearing shoes?" He, you know, in his mind, he thought, you know, I'm going to do everything I can to overcome uh, the thought I am a body. And he's so identified with uh, Jesus on the cross and that, uh, that he wanted to have the stigmata. And he did. He got the stigmata. Has anybody seen the movie Brother, Son, Sister Moon? Yes. <laughs> it was a wonderful movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's about Francis and Claire. Um, St. Francis, C.C. Um, so take this as a sign Laurel that great healing is happening and not any other thing okay and claim your healing and claim it for Mira too yep, yep. now we're together with it yeah yep Mm -hmm. and all healing is at the level of the mind so that's where we do our work Mm
3: -hmm.
1: all right we're keeping you and mira in our prayers and i'm going to go to hugh hugh you are raising your hand
0: hi thanks um I wanted to to ask a little clarification from you for something that's confused me a bit about um, what I talked about. A little phone call bothering me more than the stuff that's going on in D.C., which I have viewed differently by all things work together for good without exception, and I don't know what anything is for. Those have been very comforting for me uh, in 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 a on a global scale, but then with um, the responsibility for sight and the and the passage you read, I am responsible for what I see. Uh, and then you, I add. I liked your addition that responsibility is not equal to blame. I've got a disconnect between these these concepts, the ones that give me peace, and that I would be responsible for that. Does that make sense? Do you understand what I'm asking?
3: I don't
1: quite, know.
0: No. How am I, respo- I'm responsible for how I react to the political chaos of the world, but it, am I responsible for the political chaos of the world? How, how am I responsible for it? That's That's my disconnect.
1: Well, I, you know, a bunch of us were talking to you, and we, we really said it's all Hugh's fault.
0: <laughs> okay. We had
1: a meeting, and we decided it was you. You're the blame. You know, um, you know, it works like this. We share the same mind we 're not separate, and so if if war breaks out in Pakistan well we 're with everyone in Pakistan. We share the same mind, something we 're contributing to the field and have been perhaps for lifetimes is erupting in Pakistan now. Um, we're, we're responsible because we're one with everyone. There's no other. There's just one. So who else could be responsible if not us? The only way we could say, well, I'm not responsible for that is if we believe in separation. Now, another way to explain it is that, that uh, I, I found very helpful Um, when I first started my Course in Miracles study group, one of the things that was going on was the oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico, right? Which for those of us who uh, were watching the news at that time, it was um, pretty intense. I I really wasn't watching the news. I couldn't stand to watch it. Um, And my intuition told me that What was going on was this was an expression of people's apathy regarding the use of oil, uh, development of solar alternatives and alternative uh, methods for uh, power, and also apathy in terms of taking responsibility, apathy in terms of caring how things are done, it's like, I need my plastic bags. I need my plastic bottles. I don't, I don't really want to learn about what happens to them after I'm done with them. And I really don't want to learn about what you have to do to Mother Earth in order to get me my plastic bags and my plastic bottles. Um, so there's a general feeling. Uh, of course, it's not true for everyone. But there's a general feeling uh, that of disrespect for Mother Earth, not caring, uh, and a sense of non-responsibility. And it shows up as you have British Petroleum, which is ARCO, uh, and their hires being negligent and not paying close attention and not being prepared and all these things which lead to this massive massive spill with uh, massive destruction of wildlife and um and people not wanting to take responsibility instead they want to blame someone and uh and it's just going on day after day after day pouring the oil into the ocean um and it you could say it was a manifestation of our collective thought for what purpose to help us recognize what our collective thought is so we can learn through pain or we can learn through joy so when we choose to learn through pain that's what it looks like that's how it feels when we choose to learn through joy it's real it's it goes like this it's uh, I'm in the Starbucks and the there's a line oh god why is there a line now I'm going to be in here for 10 minutes oh my god the lady in front of me she's taking five minutes to figure out what she wants. We've been standing on this line for 10 minutes. How do you not know what you want? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And then, you know, oh, and she needs it extra hot and they didn't make it right and they have to remake it. Oh my God, are you kidding me? You know, what is happening here, right? All that upset, all that turmoil. What's really happening is an opportunity to practice patience so that when your child leaves the towels on the floor or your boss makes you listen to the story of her shopping trip and you know you can't bear it anymore, you don't wanna hear anything, you know, whatever's going on, that you have cultivated the ability to be patient. It, that you take that 10 minutes you're standing online if you've committed yourself to being there online you, you can yeah you can catch up on your emails and you can you know check your facebook status and all that stuff or you could just bless everybody in the store and you can give thanks for everything that's happening in your life including the challenges uh, you could take stock of how your day is going uh you could pray for someone including yourself i mean there's so many things you could do uh instead of going unconscious so these these triggers and these things that happen to us in life they're to help us wake up you know it's really the way the universe is just saying all the time wake up wake up wake up wake up you know uh wake up from the you've oh you fall asleep you're having a nightmare wake up wake up wake up and uh, one of my favorite things that it says in A Course of Miracles is rest comes from waking, not from sleeping. And sometimes when I think, oh, it's late and I have a lot to do, and I tell myself rest comes from waking, not from sleeping. So what are you going to do that's going to contribute to your awakening and do that now and then enjoy continuing to work so there are so many choices that we can make throughout the day and we can make the choice to judge the people we see on the tv screen and in the news or we can pray for them we can give thanks for them because they are our brothers and sisters and if we don't pray for them and give thanks for them then we're just making it harder for them and ourselves because there's only one. So that responsibility is, it's, it, part of it is, how am I contributing to it? So if, if we are really interested in knowing and we ask the Holy Spirit, how am I contributing to this war in the Middle East? Will, it will be revealed to us. It will be revealed to us. One of the things that I've learned is really practicing that. And I, I have the, the way I, I word it to myself is I'm responsible for everything I see and everything is just as I wish it would be. And then if I don't like what I see, I say, hmm, why would I wish for this? Why would I wish for this? Why would I wish for uh, someone to be disrespectful to me. Why would I wish for um, whatever? And the more I practice it, what I absolutely know and see is that I have less and less things that trigger me. And I'm more and more harmonious and peaceful. And also, most wonderfully, I can bring more and more benefit to other people, to the collective. You know, the way I like to think of it, too, is the one mind is like a river. And every day we're contributing to the river. And we're drinking from the river. We're bathing in the river. The river is everything to us. So if you don't want to drink water that's been poisoned, don't put poison in the water. You live in the river. If you don't wish to drink poisoned water, don't put poison in the water. So, when we have the ability, like I, I, I was praying for our president the other day, and just feeling, you know, how close is he to... Uh, having a spiritual awakening. I, I really think he could have a spiritual awakening, especially if we all really dedicate ourselves to praying for his awakening. And of course, if we're praying for his awakening, we're praying for our own because we're one with him. We can't have anything that we would deny to others. We might be able to have, you know, this flavored water, uh, and deny it to others but something else will manifest to show us that well not really not really but this is the trick of the ego the ego thinks I've got mine and I, I can take yours and now it's mine and you don't have any and I've got mine and I'm safe right but that's not how life works it looks that way but you'll never be able to enjoy that as long as you stole it from somebody else, as long as you're depriving somebody else, as long as you think somebody else isn't worthy, you will not be able to enjoy what you have. It's just how life works.
0: Thanks for that. Yeah. You that. on there, and uh, I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Anybody else have any other questions or shares? Let's see here, we have Paula. Hi. Hey, Paula.
5: Hi, Um, I wanna appreciate um, your work uh, on many levels, but one of them is it's given me permission to love myself you know, I never thought any, I never thought about loving myself, you know, um, I, I I was, uh, you know, I worked, I was kind of used, you know, and that, and um, even with um, um, the idea, the concept of God, you know, was kind of punishing, and I just had to serve that, had to serve that punishing God, but there was nothing really in it for me, except maybe I wouldn't get scorched. And so, um, and even as much as I studied things, it, nothing that I studied gave me permission to really love myself, you know, to do good for my own body or to go just, that's okay to be how I am and who I am. It just wasn't okay before. And I really want to thank you for that. You know, it's doing this work that has given me that gift. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Well, you're welcome. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, um, it is extraordinary how much Uh, loving ourselves changes our life experience and uh, people ask me sometimes Paula uh, how do you love yourself you know how do you really love yourself well the number one thing is to be kind so that's calling ourselves sweetheart and darling in our self-talk like I've said before it's very hard to call yourself darling and sweetheart and then attack yourself.
5: Yeah.
1: Uh, You know, it just changes the tone. And um, every little thing we can do to change that tone brings benefit. And um, I I feel that it's um, one of the things I would like to invite everyone to do is to start keeping a running list. Some people like to do it in their phone or in your journal. But start keeping a running list of the things that you can, the ways that you can love yourself. And there are many of them. Many, 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 many. So for me, one of the ways that I learned to love myself is to have compassion for others because then I don't feel. guilty, ashamed or bad or wrong for having attacked them. So learning to practice compassion for other people was actually a way of loving myself by not creating feelings of guilt and shame and regret. So before I would defend an attack uh, because I felt so vulnerable. And so, but I realized that learning to have compassion for others actually really helped eliminate a lot of my suffering of shame and guilt and regret. So there are many ways to love ourselves. One one wonderful way to love ourselves is not to delude ourselves into thinking that we don't want to do something that we're going to do. So if I want to pick up those towels and wash all those towels for my daughter, I'm in Jeannie's shoes, that's what I'm choosing to do. I am doing it because it is what I would like to do. It is what is going to uh, feel best to me, and that's an act of self-love. But if I say I'm going to do it, but I don't want to do it, and I'm going to do it anyway, then I'm the martyr right? Then I'm the victim. Somebody else is in charge of what I'm doing and not doing. And, uh, or I'm, I'm doing it to manipulate other people. I'm doing it as a sacrifice. I don't really want to do it, but I'm going to do it anyway. And the truth is, is that if you really don't want to do it, please don't do it. (laughs) Or, as many people do, stop deluding yourself and saying, you know, I really didn't want to do that, but no, you, there's no but. If you made the decision to do it, then on some level, you had a desire to do it. So stop saying you didn't want to do it. I mean, obviously, this does not apply to if somebody is attacking you, physically forcing you to do something, that's a different story. But can you think, can anybody think of um, something where uh, you, on a regular basis, do something you've you've convinced yourself you don't want to do, but you do it repeatedly? Anything? Angela, what, what is that?
6: Well, this situation that I'm living with my with my mum, and um, yeah, every day is a challenge because I'm doing things for her all the time. Right. And I can get myself out for a coffee every so often, but yeah, it's a hard one because sometimes I do it with resentment and it's every day. And I put myself in this position and I think part of me is, um, well not part of me, I am uh, resenting that I put myself in the position and, and uh, as caregiver. And I wasn't strong enough to say I'm sorry, Mum. You, you know, I can't do it. You're going, but I couldn't do it. So, um, so it's a bit difficult. I, I, but it, it's, it's a huge challenge. But it's a, you know, as the, as I'm doing the course, as it's going on. I'm, and I never thought I could say it, but it is a blessing. It is a blessing, and um, so it's a, every day for me. It's that twenty-four-seven uh, of maybe resenting it, but able to um, to be aware and, and get myself out of it again. And then it's okay for a little while, and then you know. So it's constant for me. It's a crash course. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah. Yep. Um, no. Go ahead. no, it's just, you know, I have moments of, when is it going to be over? Yeah, but I have to say there was a funny incident and I took her out as I take her out every few days and I write my affirmations in a little pad and I have it always in my pocket. I went out to get a coffee, I left her in the car and I would left this little pad in, in the slot. And when I came back, it was like, I knew something was going on because she was like a child. She sort of quickly put it back. And I, I got in the car and I said, oh, and she said, oh, I was just looking, I, I was just looking at the, at the front that's all I read. Now, instead of me sort of chuckling, to myself and saying, you know, because I was just because I felt that she'd gone into my space. Plus I might have said in the pad, uh, please help me to forgive my mum. <laughs> so it was I was also and I thought, no, no, I didn't. It was just, you know, there was nothing written there. But I really felt and I can't have boundaries. You know, I, I really, uh, on about. <laughs> Thank you for listening.
1: Yeah, you know, Angela I um uh, when I was a full time caregiver for my mom and my dad, because my dad was so stressed out um in the last four months of my mom's life. Um what was amazing to me was how I moved into a place where uh, I was able to really be all in for, for the care of my, my parents. And it doesn't mean that I didn't have issues during that time. And uh, I'll share some of that in the class, but not right this minute. And um, But I took it as an opportunity to be very, very mindful of the energy with which I was doing yeah. yeah. And it was the best thing that my mother ever gave me.
6: Yeah. Thank
1: you. Yeah.
6: yeah it is it is it is a blessing it really is and it's happened at the same time as I'm taking the course yeah you know it's no,
1: no you know it's a coincidence yeah Yeah. yeah and that's the thing is when my mom was first diagnosed um uh there was so much stuff going on in my life and uh that is in the time when I made that commitment to really be completely loving. And um, I was um, finding that, oh, every minute I was not so loving, you know, so frequently. Like I would, I would dedicate myself with so much fervor and passion to thinking only loving thoughts, 60 seconds later, I would be complaining, attacking, them. and um, yeah, I'm so glad for that experience now, even though it was intensely painful to me at the time. Uh, and the reason why it was so intensely painful, Angela was because I was judging myself so much. Yeah, um, like, Jennifer, can you not just stay focused on love for 60 yeah. seconds? Can we not do that? And then yeah. I just decided, okay, I'm going to start with not judging myself. Or being judgmental. Yeah. Just going to start with that. And just keep, oh, I forgot to choose love. Choosing love now. Oh, forgot to, and just... that's why I say I do the whole teaching. That's how I have that teaching of if you start with 10,000 negative thoughts a day and you willingly offer 10 a day to the Holy Spirit for healing, at the end of the year, you will have eliminated 3,650 negative thoughts and you've gotten through one-third of 10,000. That To me, the idea that it's a three-year plan, if you're willing, that to me, when I saw that in my mind, I just went, that's that's what I'm doing. That, I'm doing that. That's what I'm doing. I'm doing
6: so I'll be doing Masterful Living 6.
1: <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> I'm all in. You know, however it works. You know, we've got people who i've been in uh the ascension pathway year four for several years and um yeah yeah, i stopped adding years and just (laughs) but um thank you yeah
6: thank you good release
1: (laughs) yes and the, the other thing is is uh compare and despair so we comparison if we compare you know if if, if Laurel compares herself to Hugh, yes. you know, compares himself to you, yes. and if you compare yourself And he
6: needs to have, yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: We have different parts of the curriculum. Don't compare. Yeah. Just be grateful that you have your part. I mean, <laughs> uh, do, you, do you want Laurel's part? <laughs> No, you don't want Laurel's part. Laurel doesn't no. want your part. No. It, that's how it is. We have our part. And, you know, sometimes we could think, you know, oh, jeez, you know, uh, look at some movie star. Why can't I have her part, you know? Yeah. Or something like that. But we, we have no idea what their part really is. We don't know. We do not know. So um, we just accept our part. And know that uh, it's a gift to us.
3: Thank you.
1: And, and we have to remember to laugh. So it's good that you're. Oh yeah. 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 Remember to laugh. Yes. Yeah.
6: Yeah. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Thank you.
6: And thank you. Yeah.
1: All right. Gosh, it just it, uh, just goes by, doesn't it? So um, we had a comment here from. Um, wonderful caroline who says thank you angela yeah all right well um i I do have a couple of announcements real quick um one is that we will be shifting prayer partners in about three weeks probably at the end of the month Prayer partners last around three months. And um, uh, what sometimes happens when we first uh, finish that first period with the first prayer partners, people say, oh, I no, I don't want to change prayer partners. And uh, I always have uh, in the past had a conversation with multiple people who don't want to trade prayer partners. But the thing is, is that despite, you don't have to stop talking to your current prayer partner. Nobody's gonna force you to stop talking to them. But the idea is that you're adding a new prayer partner and um, it's better for the whole community if you have several prayer partners throughout the year. And um, because each experience is unique Some people you will feel so connected to right away. Some people you won't. And the differences, the contrast um, is helpful. It's helpful in the learning. And it's helpful to see where you're willing to be vulnerable, where you're not, where you're judging, where you're not. And all of that is a great learning. And for... Those who actually continue on, uh, what I've seen is that um, if you do really continue on, of course, there's no pressure (laughs) to do that. But for those who do, by the time they get to year, uh, you know, end of year two and in year three, um, they know each other so well. There's such intimacy and such love and uh such a sense of safety and connection and people have traveled such a journey by then that uh the healing just is happening faster and faster and deeper and deeper and uh it's extraordinary and that really comes from multiple prayer partners so in this In this um, year one, uh, I don't require anyone to have prayer partners, but in the other years, I do. Uh, if you haven't had a prayer partner, you didn't want one, um, then, uh, but you would like to have one in June, um, you can just let us know. Also, uh, you can write to Angela, Angela at JenniferHadley.com, and... Uh, I'll be doing the new prayer partners, like I said, in early June. And uh, anybody who would like to join the Sacred Circle, who hasn't done that, uh, it's not too late. Uh, You can tell Angela about that as well. She can help you find a a Sacred Circle. And I'm very excited. We're gonna have a Sacred Circle facilitator meeting tomorrow, and I'm excited to talk with everyone. And ah, um, one of the books that in the b- bookstore that is one of my favorite books is one by Lorna Byrne called Angels in My Hair. And if you listen to my radio show, I did a an episode with her in uh late 20 Well, I can't remember now. Was it 2012 or 13? Um I think it was twenty twelve. Uh, Lorna Byrne, B-Y-R-N-E. She's in the bookstore, Angels in My Hair. Um, uh, It's a wonderful book, wonderful book. If you, has anybody already read it? Vanessa, you read it? Um, When you read it, if you choose to read it, uh, what I believe that she describes as as, uh, guardian angels, are really the I am presence, that higher Holy spirit. Yeah, but she calls it guardian angel. So she talks about many different kinds of angels, uh, but she also talks about seeing people's guardian angels. And I, I really think she's seeing that the I am presence. Yeah. Rosalind, were you going to say something?
3: Well, I was just going to say how much I love that book. Um, and uh, Jennifer knows that I. Uh, I'm lucky enough to be going to Ireland this week, um, for two weeks, and I will get to meet her in person. Jennifer spent an afternoon with her, um, and I, will, um, I have an appointment to, to talk with her, so I'm super excited. The book really, really affected me. I didn't really believe in angels, particularly. I had no judgment against the idea, but I had no connection to angels. And the book um, just so opened me up and moved me. It's one of the, I think it's one of the most powerful books I've ever read. Right up there with *The Course in Miracles and One Other Thing.
1: <laughs> well, thank you, Rosalyn. Yeah, you're going to have such a wonderful time.
3: Yeah, I'm excited. And, and for the people who are in my uh, sacred circle, I am, I'm going to be trying to get into our, our group um, while i'm in ireland we hadn't mentioned it in sacred circle so Mm, great
1: all right well let us pray So grateful, so thankful to recognize the love of God is all that we are. It's all that we ever will be. And the love of God is perfect. The love of God is unhurtable, undamageable. This is what I know for each and every one of us, that all the stories that we've told ourselves of victimhood and martyrdom and Blame and regret and guilt and shame and resentment they're falling away from us now we don't need them anymore we are grateful and thankful to live in our true identity as the awakened beautiful beings that we already are we are grateful to go forth and multiply the consciousness of the all good in our home in our family in our friendships in our body temple in our workplace everywhere we go, we're multiplying the consciousness of good, giving thanks for everything just as it is. In gratitude, we share the benefits with everyone. In gratitude, we let it be, and so it is. Amen. 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 I love you. Bye for now.